Welcome to February Baseball. Fooling around with, with a new pitch and just some other um, metrics and things we've been keeping our eye on as spring started. It's the minutia of the start to the Grapefruit League season. Welcome to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Braves Report, brought to you by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black in Atlanta. Justin Toscano, our AJC Braves beat reporter, is coming to us from Condo AJC outside of Northport, Florida. And uh, Justin, games have started this weekend, and I've done the research, and I've concluded that if your team hits a home run on the first pitch of spring training, your team has a chance to win the World Series. It's science. It's science. I would rather start that way than the other way around. And it definitely, totally, absolutely, Jay, foreshadows a team season. Um, I we're, we're still waiting to hear from Elias on what teams who have hit a home run on the very first pitch of any game they've played in a year have done that, that season. All right, well, coming up, we've got uh, Justin's scouting reports from the first two games of the season. All kidding aside, what did we really learn? Uh, how much should we make of this new pitch that Spencer Strider's working on? We'll also introduce you to two of the reserves fighting for a job this camp, and we've got the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. If you have not listened to our show before, we are happy to have you, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Kroger, and save more at the pump during this busy travel season with Kroger. You can save fuel every time you shop when you use your Kroger shopping card. Earn one fuel point for every dollar you spend and redeem those fuel points at any Kroger fuel center today. Well, besides Michael Harris uh, going yard on pitch one of game one, what'd you think uh, as, as we've lit this candle down in Florida? Yeah, it's been fun to get the game started, but I don't know how much we've really learned yet. Uh, we'll get into this. Bryce Elder had a little bit of a choppy outing today, Sunday. Bryce Elder also had a choppy outing in his, for his spring debut last year, then went on to become an all-star. Uh, Spencer Strider looked good. That's one thing I took is Spencer Strider's new pitch looked good. And and him in general, Jay, when when you don't put your A lineup out there, the other guys don't have much of a chance. You mean the minors leaguers have an issue with Spencer Strider's fastball and slider? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, seriously... But I think the other thing, too, to underscore from these first couple games is seeing all the options they have, you know, whether it's for the final two bench spots and the outfielders that are on, you know, in camp or for that fifth rotation spot or for the bullpen. I mean, we're seeing so many of these names now and you're starting to see them trickle into games here and there. A couple at bats here, you know, an inning here for those pitchers. And it's it's exciting to get a look at them. I don't know how much you can really glean from the first two games you know the first appearances the first few at bats uh, especially because everybody's working on something different but I think as this camp goes on you can kind of get a sense of who the team favors a little bit based on who goes on which road trips or does not go on which road trips who's playing in which lineups and that's that's also not an exact science I mean you just try to get a feel for everything but you know the the spring training ERAs as Bryce Elder said today don't matter much Let's uh, go ahead and start from uh, Saturday's game first. And even before this weekend's game got started, uh, you were filing reports on what you've seen from some of the live BP, where we got the first glimpse of Spencer Strider, curveballer. Well, he threw it again three times on Saturday. Yeah, I liked it. I, th- I think every time it was it was a effective, and it's it's a pitch to me that you know similarly to the changeup. I don't. I think it's a, it's an effective pitch anytime I throw it, right. regardless of what the the outcome is. Because at the end of the day. You know, like I've said before, and we talked about this previously, 
my, my strengths are my fastball and my slider. So everything I'm doing is trying to, to help those pitches. Um, and so, like I said, that's, that's how today was very educational. So starting to see, um, you know, the sequencing and the, and the, uh, the feedback from hitters in a competitive environment. From the live PP, you mentioned you were toying with it. So will that curveball be part of the repertoire this year, you think? I think so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what capacity and, and you know, as I hopefully can be consistent with its movement and everything and figure out what shape's most effective and stuff like that. And so that's why, that's why you know, curveball, sweeper, whatever, I, I don't know. You know, whatever it turns into or whatever it can be, um, I think will be dependent upon a much larger sample size of data. Um, but uh, I think it's just it's something that is very different from the other stuff that I'm throwing, so it's, it can be effective for me. This is one of the cliches of spring training. Position players are in the best shape of their lives, and there's some pitcher that's working on a new pitch. Is this going to be a real thing, or do we see more than or less than three curveballs from Spencer Strider all year? We'll see more than three. I think it's going to be somewhat of a thing, and there's layers to this because I think when you're as good as Spencer you know what your bread and butter is and you can afford to stick with it, right? And for him, he knows that high-velocity fastball that's up to triple digits when he wants it to be and the hard slider, you know, around 85, 86, 87, that's what he sticks to. Those are his strengths. Anything else is a different look and the different looks can make those two pitches a lot better. So I think, I mean, I think he knows that there was a need for something else, maybe not even so much a need as it could really take him to the next level. If there is a next level you can get to from where Spencer Strider is in terms of how opposing hitters look against him. I think we'll see it more than three times. Do I think it'll be more prevalent than the changeup? I don't know because that's what his changeup was supposed to be. Right. And we always talked about that as like, okay, that's a different look. He hasn't thrown it a ton. I think he's got to throw that curveball just a little bit, just to, get hitters thinking about having that option right like even if it's a get me over or something like that you've got to put it in their heads then again I always almost go back to the spring training qualifier of who knows what anything is or what anything (laughs) will be in fact the other day I didn't even write in the headline that he's using a new pitch because I'm not sure that toying with something during live BP he put it that's how he put it toying with you know a little bit of a reshaped slider, he said. He called it a curveball on Saturday, admitted that much. But I don't know that toying with something is means it's going to debut this season. But that's why I asked him if it's going to be part of the repertoire. And he, I, I think the fact that he's gone through, you know, playing with it a little bit, obviously trying to feel it out, build it out, shows you that he thinks there's some sense of purpose. I think what I've learned in covering Spencer is that he's very intentional and he's purposeful with anything he does. And so... I don't think he's really going to half bleep something for lack of a better term when he does it. Now it doesn't have to be that serious. He can have one foot in one foot out. It doesn't need to be part of his repertoire. He's so good. His stuff is so good that he's going to be elite. He's going to be dominant. He's going to find ways to get strikeouts and outs regardless. But man, if he can land a few of these, I don't know what you do against a guy when he's got a hundred 87 on a changeup you know, or slider, and then 81 on a curveball. I'm, I'm not sure where you go and how you time that up. He only threw his uh, change up 7% of the time last year. Slider, 33%, fastball, 59 Yeah, I. and that's where I land is like, 
I don't know if he's got to throw the curveball more than 7%. Like, that would be ideal if it were good enough to throw, you know, more than that. But I think he's so good that I think he's only got to have another look. Whether it looks like a curveball, whether it looks like a sweeper, which is kind of a mix of like a slider, curveball, it's got different metrics. Be too in the weeds to explain that. But guys fiddle around with the names. There's so many names for things nowadays that it's just, it's a breaking ball. And this one, you know, dives more than and hangs a little more and dives a little more than his slider, which kind of bites hard. And I think that, I mean, I'm stuck in the middle. I don't know whether he has to throw that a lot. I think he just has to throw it a few times a game like he does his changeup. I think he's just honestly, he's just got to have it in their heads that he can land something like that. Because once you get him thinking about it, it's just another thing that keeps you from selling out on something else. It's another option you have. It's another, it's another, it's lower odds that you guess correctly, right? And so I think that, I think it becomes relatively prevalent. Like, I don't think he'll ditch his changeup. I don't think he'll ditch the curveball. Like, I think he'll just sprinkle in a few each game. And I think that's how you keep hitters off balance a little bit. But I just keep going back to it. I think the one thing that can take him to the next level is, yeah, good breaking pitch he's already so good. I think that even with the fastball slider and a 7% changeup, I think he could go into this year. Sure, the league figures you out, but I think he could go into this year and win a Cy Young Award. And I say that because I think Spencer's focus is finding the lower damage areas of the zone. Last year, when he, even when he was pitching well, it seemed like he gave up home runs and he gave up, you know, big hits, things like that that spiraled a little bit. I mean, the results still looked very good in terms of his pitching lines. But I think for him, it was like he was feeling like every mistake he made was getting punished. I mean, a little bit of that, I think, was bad luck. But some of it is him needing to find the areas in the zone that are going to decrease the odds for damage, per se. And I think so. I I think with that, he would be good with his current arsenal. I think he is going to be unstoppable if this curveball is anything legitimate. I mean, it's going to be really tough to time him up and and shoot, even get a bat on something. And I, I think, but yes, the qualifier, again, it is the end of February. We are in spring training. Who knows what it becomes? It could morph into something else. And I think him getting the feedback from hitters during games is kind of what's going to dictate that. He's talked about a little bit of a different mindset this year in terms of just coming in, not like he wasn't serious last year, but he's trying to make every start like an actual regular season game, like a big game, just so he can get the honest feedback and honest you know, evaluation from himself and from hitters on what works and what doesn't. All right, now as for Bryce Elder's first time in the uh, battle for the fifth spot, he does not get out of the second inning, gives up a couple of runs, Similar to a start last year, but just like then, it's February. The, the goal of spring training is to be as good as you can be on March 20-whatever, 20 uh, 28th, whenever the first game is. So, I mean, I don't – I think if you're you're super crisp and clean right now, great, but it's also about being good at the start of the season, not being good February 25th. So, um, we got to keep working, got to get better, and, and let's play. Uh, no alarm, right? No. I mean, I thought the one – Granted, the Yankees last year had more regulars in the lineup than the Red Sox did, you know, Sunday at Cool Today Park, but I don't think so. Bryce has lived it before, right? That one last year was worse. 
if we want to really split the hairs and splice it out like that. But he's right. The point of spring training is to get in tune. Now, that's not going to win you a job. You can't you can't come around on March 20th. You might be optioned by then. But well, he, he was optioned pretty quick last year. Yeah, and that was because Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd just kind of stole the show. They pitched so well. I can't say that there's going to be two pitchers who've given up one run through like 16 or 17 innings this year. I don't foresee that happening for that fifth starter competition. I think with Bryce, it, the rustiness showed in the fastball command, and he thought that even though he it was he had some misses with the off-speed, that the off-speed actually was crisp. But he thought that the fastball command, it's, it's just going to be repetitions, I think. And the thing that we as casual people who do not play Major League Baseball do not think about is that you can throw all the side sessions and all, you know, all the live BPs you want, but even in, in a game setting, even in a spring game, there's a little extra, right? Like there's a little more on those pitches. And in terms of syncing up the mechanics, uh, getting the arm in shape, letting it fly, letting it rip a little bit, it's going to be a little different. And I think for him, honing the fastball command is what he wants to do moving forward. But yeah, there to me, there's no concern because he lived it last year. He was the guy who had a rough start in his spring debut and then didn't pitch great, didn't wow anybody over spring training. He gets optioned, and then he comes back up for Max Freed after Max Freed strains his hamstring on opening day, and then he never leaves the rotation again. Oh, and he spring, you know, he made an all-star team in there. So I, I, I just think that these things are so they play themselves out in such weird ways. And the first person to be able to perfectly and accurately f- use spring training to foreshadow the rest of camp and the rest of the season is going to make a lot of money because I don't know how to do it. I would like to know, but there's so many things that have surprised me and I just, yeah, I'm not ready. I know fans see a a pitching line, (laughs) but these guys are working on stuff. They're getting into shape. They're tuning things up. They're honing the craft. I'm not ready to give up on on Bryce Elder yet, obviously. Now you did have a chance to uh, catch up with two of the other candidates for the uh, fifth spot in the rotation. One, of course, is one of the Braves' free agent signings over the offseason, Reynaldo Lopez, who is very excited to join this deep pitching staff, no matter what his role is. Muy peligroso, very dangerous. I mean, good luck to the hitters. Um, and the fact that you know a lot of guys are healthy, and if they can stay healthy, I mean, there's just such a deep rotation of starters and relievers. Um, yeah, it can be. It's. It's a force. As the Braves interpreter, Franco Garcia with Lopez. Haven't seen him in a game yet. You've seen him uh, throw some live BP. Have you seen or heard anything to change your mind about his chances to make this rotation and this to be a legitimate competition? No, not yet. I think he looked good. The stuff looked really good in the live BP at the main stadium this past week. I just, as we've said before, I think he fits from a roster construction perspective. I think there's a different, a couple different ways you could handle it. I think I'm looking at, you know, Bryce Elder, Ronaldo Lopez, AJ Smith-Shaver. Like, I'm looking at those three. I don't know what Hoskar Inoa, who we'll get to, is going to bring. But I, I do think that the questions I have about Ronaldo Lopez come from a usage standpoint. Like, this guy was a reliever. And I remember I asked him, like, did you do anything different over the offseason to prepare to be a starter. And he said, actually, he didn't do anything different because he always trains hard and he trains for throwing more than 60 innings. Like he doesn't go and do 
a season with an innings limit in mind or knowing that he's only going to pitch 60 innings, he trains to throw more. So maybe that training is already there. Still, not having been a full-time starter in a few years, I think the Braves would want to manage and massage that workload. And I'm going to be very intrigued uh, as we sit here now to watch his first spring game and then his second and his third to see like what do innings one and two look like versus three and four right that's like the thing with relievers sometimes and when they're used to blowing it out for an inning or two he's gonna have to pace himself will the stuff be as good will the Braves you know be able to kind of work to his strengths there are questions I have that might make it a tougher fit but with the way that they're going to need to worry about you know his workload and then Chris Sale and, and keeping Charlie Morton healthy and, you know, and sale, there's going to be, it seems like there's just going to be room for a lot of these starters this year. I don't know if the Braves will start 16 different pitchers. I think they hope that's not the case, but I think there's going to be room for, you know, seven or eight of these guys in this big league rotation this year to make contributions because of the ways they're going to need to do things. But until further notice, I just think that, you know, it's, it's kind of a dead heat right now. I don't know that anybody should have an advantage. Now, one of those guys who who is being considered depth at this point is a name we have not discussed in almost three three years, it seems like. Wascari Noah is back to full speed now. He didn't pitch at all last year. He only threw seven innings in 2022. Is he ready to make a move and rejoin this rotation? I feel pretty, pretty strong now. I feel more confidence in me. Uh, just working hard every day. He's feeling more confidence, working harder. Manager Brian Snitker's taking notice. Yeah, saw him throw the other day, and it's good. He looks great. I know that. And just, you know, just a side, but it's, um, it, it'll be good. And I'm sure he's excited about getting himself going again, too, because we know, I mean, this kid was on his way to me making an all-star game when he got hurt. It's easy for Braves fans to forget about him because it has been a while since he's really contributed. But when he was a contributor in 2021, he was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. Uh, and one thing he told me was he was looking to get his slider back where it was uh, a few years ago. That's what he worked on over the offseason. Um, he's fully healthy, no restrictions at the time. So this is about going to be about a week ago. He told me he was throwing, I think it was like 30 pitch, up to 30 pitches at bullpen sessions at home. And then like around 2025 20, uh, with the Braves at the facility. Uh, but he should have, he should be fully healthy. He said that like, you know, obviously it's up to the team to, if he needs a, you know, little rehab stint uh, to open the season. But he thinks that, you know, if he wins a job, like he's going to be ready for opening day is the way he's looking at it right now. I wonder how much of this, and this is kind of fascinated me this spring. How much did we forget about this guy? Like, you know, he fractures his hand, right? And then he kind of, it goes downhill from there. It, and it's really wild how you can almost, Jay, and I think... We probably talked about this on one of our first episodes when he got optioned. You probably can I you can cut with a knife perfectly, symmetrically, the before and after the injury, right? And before is very good, after is very not so good. And I wonder how like he's gonna, you know, how much he's gonna be back to himself and back to that guy. He did say that he told me I asked him, like, hey, when did you start? You know, when did you know something was wrong? And he said his elbow felt off at the beginning of spring training in 2022, which I guess kind of coincides, right? With the rough start in 2022, he gets optioned. uh, And then in the summer, the Braves, you know, shut him down and he has surgery. I also like this. 
It seems like a lot of these guys have the same answer for how they pass the time. Video games. Tyler Matzik, yeah. we talked about his Call of Duty. For Huascari Noah, MLB The Show and Grand Theft Auto. So two two pretty good picks there. Two, and two very, very different, uh, two, two very quality games and uh, two very different spectrums of the uh, video game landscape. All right, so that's where the starter competition stands, heading into the first full week of Grapefruit League games. Now, coming up, we'll introduce you to the newest member of the Braves bench and another who hopes to stay there all year this season. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia, That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, welcome back and listen close because we've got a great offer for Braves Report listeners, which actually is the biggest deal in the South. For a limited time, you can subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and get Unlimited digital access to the AJC for just $1.99 per week for the rest of your life. As long as you keep your subscription, you get all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, in-depth investigations, food and dining, and more and more from the AJC every day for the rest of your life. You'll also unlock access to our app, exclusive films and events and newsletters. So subscribe today by going to AJC.com slash start. That is AJC.com slash dart to get a great deal for a greater Atlanta. This is for new subscribers only. And by the way, uh, speaking of videos, head to our AJC YouTube page to check out Sarah Spencer and Cody Chafin's terrific feature on uh, Charlie Morton, Coffee Expert. That was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I think the coolest thing about our jobs is getting to humanize these players who otherwise might seem like, you know, just robots or guys who make a ton of money to fans. And I just, I just loved that. The ad, the admiration that Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider speak, you know, about in regards to Charlie Morton is just so wholesome. And Sarah Spencer did such a wonderful job on that. Cody Chaffins did an awesome job shooting that. And we've really kind of thrown the kitchen sink at spring training here at the AJC. I mean, we, Yosef Shin, our photographer, who did a wonderful job capturing everything from report date arrivals to the first couple games of spring training. He is departing in a couple days. He's done an awesome job for us. But man, that that video feature was just awesome by Sarah. I really love seeing Charlie in that light. And it's, uh, you know what my favorite part about Charlie is, is that when he's speaking in one of those clips, he just looks like he's dissecting it so seriously as if he's talking about pitching mechanics, right? Like he's just so insightful. Like I think Charlie would think as hard about grinding up coffee as he would about throwing his best curveball on a three, two count. Like I, I really, he just looks so locked in when he's talking about the coffee and it's, it's so wholesome. That was awesome. Check it out on YouTube. If you have not already, it will make you 
love Charlie Morton even more than you already thought you could love Charlie Morton. It's awesome. Go check it out. All right, now we're going to introduce you to another player that uh, you probably don't know a whole lot about uh, because the Braves are in a fortunate position when it comes to their infield. They kind of roll out the same four guys every game, so, so there's no real competition for any infield spots except on the bench. And that's why Alex Anthopoulos admits that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find guys who are going to want to play this role and not play a whole lot. I think what's challenging for us, and we had this um, at the trade deadline last year, I remember talking to some of our players about this. When we were looking to add to the bench, you know, there were a bunch of really good players that were out there. And for a bench role, because of the way you know, Snit runs things, which I'm totally on board with, you know, our guys play every day. So it's hard to have bench players that are going to be good clubhouse guys and accept their role that, you know, Austin Riley's going to play every day, Matt Olson's going to play every day, and so on. And the outfielders the same way, so the at-bats aren't going to be there. So you need a certain type of person, a certain type of individual. So, But Alex seems like he's found his man in uh, Luis Guillorme, who was scooped up from the Mets this offseason after they let him go. He signed a major league contract, so that kind of indicates what the Braves think of him. And Anthopoulos thinks he's the man to take over the Nicky Lopez spot this season. Happy to be here. It's a good group of guys. You know, everybody knows what type of team this is. I've always been very impressed at how personal you are. Like, I feel like you just put different spots, like good contact. Bad. How do you mean? How, how do you maintain the versatility to play any position? Like, how, what is what, what work goes into that? I mean, I think it's just building the routine that you know gets you ready to be put in those positions. Also, like this year, I got to learn what situations would be my situations coming. I always compare it to like pitchers. Every bullpen guy knows you're the closest are these are situations. It's the same thing for me where once I get to know how the manager likes to use me to pen, because it's, it's always evolving to a I might just be a defensive guy first, but I might be a pitch later. So I get something you got to learn of, follow along the game, know what situations are for you, what situations are for your teammates. So it's something that I always take pride in is know what's going to happen ahead of time so I'm prepared for it. Sorry, it's a little noisy there, but you're only a 29-year-old left-hander, career 271 hitter against righties. Will the Braves get in here? Yeah, they're getting a versatile guy who can do pretty much everything. As I asked him in there, it was like, how do you do that? Because I think you can do, it's difficult to do a lot of things well. And I think that's what Luis does. And for those of you who do not know, we've talked about it enough as we've joked during the Mets-Braves rivalry. I used to cover the Mets. So I used to cover Luis Guillorme. Very good dude. Very good addition to the clubhouse. Very good beard. Yeah. Awesome beard. Awesome beard. He did like the, what is it called? Like the Fu Manchu one time with his mustache, like kind of oh, like wow. shaved it, like <laughs> biker mustache sort of thing uh, at the end of 21. I remember that, but he's awesome. And Spencer Strider had a really good thing for me yesterday when I asked about Luis Guillorme. He said that he used to talk to Luke Jackson, you know, he of the yes. night shift. And Luke used to say that his least favorite guys to face were those who don't wear batting gloves. Luis Guillorme doesn't wear batting gloves. He's he's as baseball as baseball gets. He's willing to do anything, and he's versatile. Like I always felt, I think his bat obviously holds him back from a lot more, but I, I think it's serviceable enough in like the contact you know that he gets. Like it's a good contact bat from the left side. That I think it's you know it's good a good bench bat to have you know a good player to have on the bench. But I think he he like he makes every play that he should and, and some he shouldn't is kind of how I viewed it when he, you know, when I covered the Mets and he played sparingly, like, would I play him a ton? You know, would you hope for that scenario? Probably not, but I think he can do it, uh, especially in this lineup where I don't think he'll become too overexposed, but I think he just, he's a great fielder. He's got great hands. He makes terrific plays. I mean, plays that maybe he shouldn't make. 
and he always looks cool doing it. Good runner, too. He's your typical utility infielder in that way. Jay, pretty good moment from him. He's got one of the best spring training moments ever. I don't know if you know what's coming here, but one time somebody, a one-hitter, inadvertently flung the bat into the dugout at spring training and there to save the day from the pitchers who were ducking on the dugout railing was Luis Guillorme, who did not duck, but stuck his hand out and caught the bat cleanly. That was that was pretty cool. That's wow. that to me, that kind of shows the reflexes he's got as a middle infielder. Now, from the infield to the outfield, and the and a clear competition for the Braves fourth outfielder spot now that Kevin Pillar has has moved on, and they're looking for a righty compliment for Jared Kelnick if needed. And the Braves have still got their eye on Eli White, who's still part of the organization. And uh, Justin also had a chance to grab a quick clubhouse conversation with him. And uh, Eli tells us that he's got plenty to offer despite coming off an injury-plagued season last year. What are a few things that the staff identified in you last year that they really liked, maybe compared to previous seasons in your film? Yeah, so I hit lefties really well last year, which was something that um, I don't know if it was just a limited sample size in years before, but I didn't hit lefties as well as I'd like to. Um, and a lot of you know my big league bats have come up against lefties, so that was a big thing that I improved on last season. I mean, I, I only had 150 bats, I think, so small sample size, but I did hit lefties well, so they were encouraged by that. Um, and then I did some things well that you know I've done well my whole career, which is control the strikes and draw walks, um, see a lot of pitches. So, um, so yeah, there's some there's some good things that I did in, in my small sample size last year that I hopefully can carry over into this year. All right. Um, when you have that play ruminating in your head so much, as you mentioned, how did you finally process that? Yeah, just you, you just kind of got to accept for what it is. It's just a baseball play. And, you know, I, I pride myself on being a guy that plays hard. Um, and so the way I play, like, I, I want to try and make every play out there. I'm not going to play careful, try not to get hurt. And unfortunately, the past two years, my season's ended trying to probably do a little bit too much in the outfield, you know, the collision um, in 2022 and then the play last year. Um, so, I mean, that's just the type of player I am. And that's the type of player I want to be. So hopefully that doesn't happen again, but, you know, I'm going to keep playing hard and keep, you know, trying to do everything I can to catch every ball in the outfield. And um, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I like running around and trying to catch everything. And so I'm going to keep doing that. And, yeah, it's just an unfortunate play that you know, hopefully hopefully it won't happen again, but you never know playing this game. So. There are kind of multiple schools of thought when you build a roster, like one of them being, you know, you take the best 26, but GM's also talking about fit. And, like, if they see something in you, maybe just getting the at-bats at the minor league level. Because they have Kalanick, do you have any sort of feel for how the team views you in that way? Like, would you be happy in a role where maybe you're – hardly playing would you prefer to go you know get the at-bats at triple a like what's going to be best for eli white right now or where's your best yeah uh yeah yeah you know i I honestly try not to think about too much of that stuff i mean obviously it's in your head a little bit because you you can look at the roster and then see what things are shaking out but you know i I just want to go out and and play again and you know show what i can do as cliche as that sounds but that's really my mindset is i just want to go out and play hard and let the chips fall where they may. Um, and so that's kind of my mindset going in. And um, I'm happy to be in whatever role the team sees me and can 
um, whatever I can bring value to the team, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that, whatever that may be. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I just want to get out in here and, and play in spring and see what happens and show what I can do. Last few years, StatCast has ranked his speed in the 98th or 99th percentile. His defense also is pretty much a weapon. Is that all he needs to do to make this team, or does it need to hit a little? You know, I don't know that he needs to hit a little. I think when Alex mentioned a couple weeks ago that one of those last two bench spots would likely be speed, I thought to Eli White and Forrest Wall. Um, Forrest Wall being a guy who probably gives you the best speed i think i'm trying to i mean i haven't seen him in eli white race so i don't know but eli white's a terrific defender i think he could make the roster just how he is right now depending on how they view things like it doesn't have to be speed for one of those last two spots and i think the braves will i think what people don't understand is like you wouldn't if you don't cover the game or don't talk to the people who do make these rosters like it almost is about fit. And that's what I was explaining in that last question, trying to ask him is like, you can be one of the best 26. For example, like a guy like Von Grissom might've been better than Adrianza, right? But the Braves wanted Von Grissom to get that run in AAA. And I think it's just going to go down to like, what do the Braves see in JP Martinez? How do they view Eli White? I think Forrest Wall and Eli White are pretty even. I think you could carry both, especially because at this point, I don't know that David Fletcher and Luis Guillorme would be on the same roster. That seems relatively redundant. And at, uh, right now, David Fletcher is a minor league player because they outrighted him off the roster over the offseason, even though, you know, he's set to make, I think, five or so million dollars. But I think Eli White's skill set as is, is good enough to make the roster, especially as a runner, defensive replacement. The same could be said for Forrest Wall. We'll see how it shakes out um, in the future. But the play he was talking about, Jay... He was coming over on a ball, you know, in the gap from center field. He just overextended, didn't even dive, just overextended, falls and rolls over and his like shoulder pops out, torn labrum, all that. This last year was the third consecutive year that injuries ended or derailed his season, which is pretty crazy. So like he just wants a full year, man, at this point. And I asked him, like, is he going to change the way he plays? And no, he was always taught, you know, you play like it's your last game, you play hard. And part of what makes him so good is the ability to chase down balls in the gap, uh, to run the bases super well, steal bases. And I think that's what makes him a great fit for this roster. I think him and Forrest Wall have similar skill sets, but I wonder if like Eli White's a better defensive replacement than Forrest Wall. Like I think you could carry both for that reason. Um, I'm not sure you need another utility infielder other than Guillaume. The big thing to remember as well, Jay, we've seen the Braves do it before. If they actually need somebody, if somebody gets hurt in a game, they'll just make a move after the game, right? Like you're not going to, it's not like you got to get through seven games at the same roster you have. You can make a move after a game. So it's kind of a toss up, but you really have to think about it from the exact standpoint. I know I'm getting off on a roster tangent from the exact standpoint of that those last two spots really aren't going to play. And so it's it's about like who do the Braves want to be getting that time in the minor leagues, and the last two spots on the roster might just be guys who I hate to say it this way, like don't have like a, a ton of you know, or the last spot on the roster I should say might be a guy who they don't feel like has a ton of value outside filling that roster spot because if they did, they'd be playing in the minors. Jordan Luplo's back in the organization. He played on Sunday, had a couple of RBIs. He was in the competition last year for that fourth outfielder spot. Is uh, real quick. Is he back in it for this year? Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Anybody in camp is in competition for it. He's a right-handed bat. 
Uh, so a little bit of a different look there. I think that, I mean, last year it was tough for him. He, his fate was kind of sealed from the beginning because he came in with, you know, an oblique, uh, some oblique soreness and that wasn't great. Uh, it was mild, but it was enough to put him behind. And then, you know, he was out of the org in as part of the moves uh, in St. Louis, I think. I think it was to get Bryce Elder or Dylan Dodd on the roster, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think anybody in camp's in it. And I could even, like, I'm even thinking, like, could Luke Williams be, you know, a final roster spot considering I don't, you know, I don't think he would be. He's not, like, on, you know, my radar in that way. But I think we really have to think about it based on who do the Braves want getting those at bats in triple a right like who do they need ready in case somebody gets hurt like who do they need to be seasoned and ready and and firing on all cylinders in case you know if somebody gets hurt and you know any of those guys might be in triple a i think luplo would be good for the roster eli white would be good for the roster forest wall like i think they've got a lot of good options in terms of ways they could go there's a long time to go in spring so there's a, a lot of different permutations hadn't even gotten to march yet but we get to march this week which is fantastic that means it gets serious but coming up next uh, max freed's getting the start to, on monday and then chris sale on tuesday <laughs> that's a it's a pretty good lineup for your first couple of days of the week right and uh for those for those of you who are braves fans or maybe you're not braves fans maybe people who are who are pirates fans or fans of another team and you live around bradenton you're gonna get to see chris sale on tuesday he's making the trip sean murphy will catch him so that'll be exciting and, and always always good to see Max on the mound. Um, and I, I expect that to be a relatively easy tune-up for him. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Justin C. Toscano. I don't think these were as good as the ones for Brandon, right? Uh, no, not quite, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a sleepy Sunday afternoon. Uh, but uh, still some uh, important questions coming from at Buzz. Uh, with uh, multiple Zs there. Are any Braves players really complaining about the pants jersey stuff? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't like asked around a ton on it. I just think it's like, I think it's something that MLB will fix eventually, right? Like players around baseball are complaining. I haven't heard of anybody, you know, complaining about it just because like, they're not going to, nobody's going to want to put that on the record. Right. Like I, I don't know that. I don't know that like people around baseball like them. Like I, I would be surprised if the Braves clubhouse liked it just because everybody else around baseball seems to have an issue with them and an issue with the look, but nothing specific for me. All right. Next up from center wing. Will it be Spencer or Max as the opening day starter? Man, that's interesting. I think, I think you go max for the opening day starts uh by a hair but it could go either way i think and you know what a weird oddity is jay i think i was looking at my notes from last year because i wanted to see bryce eller's exact line from that tampa start which you were at i think the braves went spencer strider bryce elder and max Fried to start the first three spring games last year too I almost missed that Bryce Elder start because of the worst traffic jam I've ever been in trying to get into a parking lot. And since yes. Bryce didn't pitch very long, I almost missed all of it. Oh, yeah. That, that traffic in Tampa is brutal. I think we do have... I'm trying to think. There's one... Yes, there's one trip there. I believe it's March 10th. 
and which is also daylight saving. So the folks making the trip are, are going to need to get an extra hour of sleep to plan for that. But I, that'll be that'll be Gabe Burns because I'll be back in Atlanta for a few days at that point. All right, last question is from Larry Cobble. Think the Braves might offer Blake Snell a one-year deal? Postseason, here we come. Ooh, man. I think about it, but I don't know, just on the basis of like what that would be per year that would shoot the payroll way up. And I think like you could look at Blake Snell. I mean, he's a two-time Cy Young winner, so there's nothing really that bad to say. But he walks a lot of guys. I'm not sure. I, I always feel like when I'm watching Blake Snell, I always feel like he's teetering on the edge of an outing that's going to spiral. And I don't know like how to put that into words. Like He's got the strikeout stuff to get out of things, but I just don't know that that would be the best fit or play there. I'm going to mess up this quote, but I remember Alex saying this. I think it was his first year at Braves Fest, and he was telling a story about when he was in Toronto about a player that he kind of didn't really want, wasn't really a fit, but his price kept going down and down and down, and it's like, oh, now he's a bargain. And it turned out to be kind of a disaster. Now, this may be a different situation, but one of the just sometimes Alex will give you insights if you really pay attention, and that was one that I, I always remember always remember him saying. It's like, don't necessarily get a player because he's a bargain. Get a player because he's the fit and the guy you want. Yeah, I think that's what Alex does about as well as anybody is. I think there are a lot of GMs who, you know, who um, might panic or might just think, oh, you know, he's a bargain. I think that's like, that's like the, um, it's like what we all think stereotypically of anybody selling something, right? You shoot high and once you go lower, somebody thinks they got a bargain. Well, I... I don't know. I'm a little, you know, concerned that him, Jordan Montgomery, I mean, Cody Bellinger just signed. I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, I, I think that the Braves do such a great job of targeting guys that if I, I believe if they had some true interest, it would have been done. I mean, I could could be wrong, but they do such they they really target guys like specifically. They don't target needs. And I think you can see that, like in the way they got Jared Kellenick, like in the way they got Nicky Lopez last year, in the way they got Aaron Bummer this year. They target specific guys. And I think Alex always talks about that. I mean, every time it comes to the offseason or the GM meetings, like when he does his media availabilities, about the mistakes and the messes and the webs you can get into if you just try to fill a need and go off a checklist and don't get a guy who fits. And I think this might be the case of that. Um, or I'll just wake up tomorrow before the podcast posts and they'll have signed <laughs> All right, winners of the week, you first. Ooh, I'm going to go with, I'll go with Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, and Franco Garcia, a dual winner of the week, because they had a great moment on MLB Network the other night. I'm not sure if you saw it, but Ronald was named the number one player on the to their top 100 players right now list. Uh, and he did the entire interview in English. That's okay. really, really good. That was, you know, pretty unbelievable of him to do. It couldn't have been easy. It was certainly brave, no pun intended. And Franco just sat there. Franco was allowed to sit there, didn't have to say anything until they thanked him for being on there. And he said, you know, thanks for having any, having me. Um, so I will go with him. And then I will go with Michael Harris. So I'm going to do, I guess that's three total. You hit it uh, the fir very first pitch of the season, not in counting live BPs, hits a home run. That's that's a heck of a way to start. Uh, and if this team wins the World Series, I think I think he's got to get a bigger cut than the rest for the good vibes. I'm going with the uh, Braves batting average leader in spring training, and that is Nacho Alvarez, who went two for two on Saturday. 
And for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Mr. Alvarez or Mr. Nacho, whoever he chooses to be called, 20-year-old and is currently, uh, at the end of the 2023 season, according to MLB.com, the Braves' highest-ranked hitting prospect, seventh in the organization. Yeah, and uh, you and I were talking about him a little yesterday. It's funny because he's, I think he's 20, he's right? He's 20. And they have Ozzy. <laughs> they have a third baseman. And right now they have a shortstop. Yes. Uh, and they also have Jose Perdomo, who's, you know, three years younger, two and a half years younger. They just signed him out of Venezuela, uh, who's in the system now. So, and, you know, not saying he would jump Alvarez, but it, it seems like Alvarez, Brian Snicker had good things to say about him after that Saturday performance. You never know when you're going to need a guy like that. But when I was talking about the roster fits, like that's what you're kind of saying is like a guy like him, he might be good enough to make the roster now or in a year or whenever, but his best that, you know, the, what's going to shoot his value up in terms of making him a better player and making him more fit to be on a t- the team is time in the minors. And I think that, yeah, he, he seems promising. I mean, he can play all those positions. Snit said the reports have been good and yeah, the bats have been good so far, including that, you know, run scoring double. Uh, and that Saturday opener. So he's an interesting one to follow, Jay, especially because uh, this week I did learn that David McCabe, another position player prospect, underwent Tommy John surgery. He was a third baseman, first baseman. They were letting him play third and everyday basis last year to get him used to it. So uh, not a ton of position player prospects in that system um, that are highly touted. But, you know, Nacho Alvarez certainly is one of them. And uh, and he's, you know, Nacho average prospect. Uh, he is very, very well done. And that's a very good place to end this here uh, podcast. So, uh, again, go check out our YouTube page. You'll see Sarah Spencer's uh, video uh, with Cody Chaffins on uh, Charlie Morton. And then uh, do your duty. Rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. Help us grow the show. You know the drill. And we'll see you next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.